You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. All right, so Dr. Nicole Stuckin is joining us today. She is a pediatrician with Mercy One. So hi, Dr. Stuckin. Um, Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to kind of engage in this conversation. Perfect. So we have a really important topic um, to talk about today with World Down Syndrome Day being this month. And I know you have a unique perspective to offer us and our listeners from both personal and professional experiences. So I'll let you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the significance of today's topic to you. So um, I have been a pediatrician in the Mercy One system for about seven years now. Um, I live in the Grimes area, Central Des Moines, with my family. I have my husband. I have four children, my oldest, Emma, two boys, Blake and Brooks, and then my youngest, Josie, who is two. Um, two years ago, our life was kind of rocked. We welcomed Josie in December of 2019. Um, and Josie was born with a birth diagnosis of trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. Um, after a completely normal, healthy pregnancy, um, she kept the best secret and kind of surprised us all, um, when she was born. After she was born, she subsequently was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect and actually had open heart surgery when she was four months old. And so over the last two years, we have become more embedded in the Down syndrome community, and I am trying to use my position both as a mom and a pediatrician to advocate um, with children's and family that are raising children with special needs and disabilities. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, your background story with us. I'm sure many of these experiences that you've had with your daughter um, the past couple of years have impacted your career, um, some of the goals surrounding that in daily practice. Is that something that you've noticed? Absolutely. My Again, this diagnosis came out of left field. Um, through my training, I've obviously treated and been part of the medical care of children that have differing needs or disabilities. Um, but using Josie and kind of walking through the day-to-day, living the life of a parent raising a child um, with not just special needs, but special medical needs um, with some of her diagnoses has absolutely affected me and what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, I have found, obviously, the word gets out, and so my practice has grown and the um, uh, kind of the differences in patients that I am caring for has definitely evolved. I would say some of the brightest parts of my day now are talking with parents of children with different needs and special needs. I have been very blessed to walk some very difficult journeys with some of my families as they too have received unexpected diagnoses that has obviously rocked their world similar to mine. Um, And I really just think it's so cool that I am able to empathize with them having been in that position um, and kind of walk through that journey with them. I have also found even caring for kids with neurotypical or excuse me, neurotypical children, those that don't have a disability or special needs, what I am able to take away from my daughter, different things that I learned from her therapist, going through her different subspecialties in the medical field. I am able to apply that to a lot of these patients to kind of help them and those families as they just navigate the day in, day out of raising um, a child. Yeah, so it really sounds like you've gotten to know, t- you know, take some of your experiences and really empathize um, with your patients. And um, 
you know, it, it seems like, you know, medical advocacy and the relationships that you form with your patients are top of mind for your work every day. Do you want to speak more, you know, to the importance of medical advocacy and how that affects your patient provider relationships? And one of the biggest things, one of the challenges for me personally is as I have become more involved specifically within the Down syndrome community, because that is obviously what is affecting our day-to-day life. Um, one of the hardest things is seeing day in and day out families sharing their negative experiences with the medical field. Um, families sharing negative information, outdated information, information that they're provided that maybe is a broad assumption based on their child's diagnosis rather than truly applied to their child. And so I'm really working on both for myself as a physician, but also kind of embedding myself into the community to encourage families, reach out to your medical providers. This is a relationship. It's not a one-sided thing. We need to advocate for our children as parents, but as medical providers, we need to listen to the parents. We need to understand what their goals are for their child and interact with that partnership. Um, It literally crushes my soul when I see people that have had a negative experience and I want to know how we can make that better. Um, And so I'm personally kind of making it one of my long-term goals to try and change the overall patient experience within Mercy One as patients get these diagnoses and having the support as they kind of walk that journey. I think that's so important for, you know, our listeners to hear that, you know, from a physician or pediatrician's perspective, that, you know, they want to hear about these things. They want patients to reach out and be open with them. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's great to hear that from you today. I think as physicians, you know, and, and we're all, we train and we learn based on what our training provides us. Unfortunately, a lot of medical training is based on literature from the past. And so much we know as a world technology, you know, availability of different services is constantly changing and evolving. And how the outcomes were 30 years ago are absolutely not true for the outcomes today. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to work to get up to date on information, understand the services, the supports available, and utilize them, connect our families, connect our patients to, you know, set each individual up for success, whatever that might be. The success of one child is definitely not going to be the same as another. That doesn't mean it's any less. It's just Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that, you know, we have you here on our team to help advocate for that. And, um, you know, I know prior to today, we were discussing, you know, some of the different topics that you wanted to touch on and you suggested things, you know, like first person language, inclusion, what that means, as well as ableism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are things that we all want to have top of mind going forward. So could you just touch on that a little yeah. bit too? I think we all in our life should strive to always learn to do better, learn more, be better. And part of that is trying to understand how we ourselves approach the world, approach those around us. Um, One thing that parents with children that have either different needs, special needs, a disability, really want to advocate for is person-first language. My daughter is Josie. Down syndrome is a part of who Josie is but Josie is not Down syndrome. And so looking at, you know, any individual and saying that is Josie, she has Down syndrome, not that is a Down syndrome girl. And so having that first person language, same with that, you know, he's a wheelchair 
found boy. No, that is Peter and he is in a wheelchair. And so again, recognizing that there is a person, their diagnosis is just part of who they are. Um, as society, we are, those of us that are raising children now are very blessed at the work that parents have done over the last several years, those families that have come before us. Um, we are very lucky that our society is evolving. Inclusion is becoming more commonplace rather than seclusion. Um, we really need to work on furthering inclusion within our local communities, our schools, our, our states, our country as a whole. Um, what that means is looking in each environment and having every individual, whether neurotypical or not, and saying each person is valued, respected, and supported in this environment. Um, simple things start even with us as parents teaching our children about inclusion early on. And it's crazy to think that can even start as soon as a baby is born. We constantly teach, you know, reading to your child. Early reading affects literacy rates. There are actually inclusive books, books you can read about people of varying backgrounds, whether it be a disability, a race, um, uh, different things like that that can just teach and expose from an early age all of the vague, or vast differences in each of us as individuals. You know, as our kids are becoming older, they're more active, they're in daycares, they're outside playing in the neighborhood, teaching our kids early on Everybody wants a friend. If that child's over there on their own, let's say they're in a wheelchair, they're not able to walk, presenting it as, oh, they have wheels to help them get around. I bet they would still like to go up and down the sidewalk with you. Go ask them if they want to play. And teaching each of us from an, or each child from an early age, we can include people, even if the way we include them is maybe different than the way we ourselves would do it. Um, you know, inclusion in, in schools has become, you know, vastly different than what it used to be years ago. Um, we are trying to have full immersion of students of differing backgrounds and needs within classrooms. There is so much that even a neurotypical child can learn from a disability. Not all of school is strictly academic. There's a lot we learn um, about being a good person, being a good friend, functioning in a society. Um, but again, that starts with us as parents and at home teaching those things from an early on. The other kind of newer thing that we're trying to raise awareness on is ableism. Ableism is kind of looking at the thought that people with a disability are less than and inferior to the non-disabled. It's prejudices, it's stereotype against these people based on an actual or presumed disability. And it's presuming that those of us with typical abilities are superior to them. Um, I think it's important to recognize that there is no class of person that is inferior to anybody else. We are all equal. We all have different strengths, different weaknesses um, that we contribute to society as a whole. Um, I think one of the biggest things, again, we all need to continue to strive to do better to educate ourselves. And so it's learning what does ableism mean? Looking at your day to day routine and say, are there things that I'm doing that are in fact ableist? Um, learning what that means, trying to do better, trying to be more inclusive even using your voice to advocate in your community for greater accessibility. Maybe it doesn't specifically affect you personally, but affects the greater good of the community as a whole. And then I think the biggest thing with ableism is recognizing that we should not assume because an individual has a disability 
that they're not happy or they're, they're sad or depressed about their disability. Um, that is absolutely not true. Again, looking at Down syndrome specifically, because that is what's embedded in my life, surveys of adults with Down syndrome show that 97% of them are happy in their day-to-day -day life and would not change a thing. If you polled the general population, I will guarantee you there is not 97% of adults that say they are happy with their day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So it's it's recognizing that, again, our, our prejudice, our thoughts are not reality for each individual. Yeah, and I think, you know, all of those things really tie in, you know, it, it's all about perspective. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, those are things we can all work on every day, like mm -hmm. you said, and um, it's important to hear about them. And um, you know, dig deeper into them. But, um, you know, I know we have a special guest with us today as well um, for this recording, but I'd like to introduce our listeners to Emma, um, Dr. Stecken's daughter, who wanted to give us um, a little bit of insight as to what it's like having a sibling with Down syndrome and why advocating for this topic is important to her. Um, what it's like having a sibling with a disability it's different than having a sibling that doesn't have a disability because I have two brothers that don't have a disability. So I can tell you it's different. First of all, my siblings, my sibling with a disability won't talk as soon as my other siblings did. They might not as catch on as soon as them. Oh, and the best part is that my other siblings fart really loud. But as far as I know, my sibling with a disability only lets silent but deadly ones. Which is better, I guess. One thing you need to know about being a sibling with a disability is that you can't compare them to other kids without a disability. The kids that have a disability, they have a slight obstacle in their way and they will move past it. From my experience with a younger sibling with a disability, she always perseveres and comes through. So never think that you, they just can't do it because the other kids their age can. You just need to give them a little more time and empathy and cheer them on. Oh, and don't ever forget. They love you so much and can make your day. So if you see another kid with a disability, make their day. Don't stare, smile at them, and you'll get a smile back. I love that word, empathy. That's a good word. I think, um, you know, that just brings a smile to my face that you had that to say. And thanks so much um, for talking a little bit about that, Emma. I can tell this is something you're really passionate about. And I think that that's great. So um, before we end today, I'd love for, um, you know, Dr. Stuckin to address some common myths of raising a child with a disability or special needs. So I, I did take the liberty of pulling some of my friends that are in a similar position. And so just kind of gathering their thoughts, what are things that they have heard from people? What are things that people assume that are just not true? I think one of the biggest things we hear when we have a child with a disability, the first things out of, of, of other people's mouth is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your baby was born with a disability. I'm sorry your baby is different from all the others. And I want us to try and get away from that. I know it's not necessarily a negative thing, but there's nothing to apologize for. This is a living, breathing baby. This is a living, breathing human that we are lucky enough to, arra uh, to raise. Instead of apologizing, you know, reshaping like, I'm sorry that, or excuse me, not saying I'm sorry, but this must be a really hard diagnosis for you. What can we do to help support you? Are there things we can do to help you as you navigate this new journey? Um, people assume that those of us that have a child with special needs are somehow superhuman, special people ourselves. Um, there is nothing that we are, that we do or that we are equipped with skill wise that is different from any other parent. Um, 
any parent who has a child who is facing an obstacle rises to the occasion. You advocate, you fight for your child um, to put them in a position to make them as successful as you can in the world. Whether they have a disability or not, you are going to parent them and set them up for every success that you can. And so, again, any parent that would be put in the same position as us would rise to the occasion because that is what you do as a parent. That is what happens the moment that baby touches your arms. You say, I will fight for you to have every, you know, luxury in this life, every um, everything I can do to keep you safe, set you up for success. Um, that's just part of being a parent. Um, one of my friends said it best when she gets asked by people, to, you know, explain her life, one of the things she said is, it's just more. It's not less. It's not stressful. It's just more. It's more appointments. It's more worries. It's more fears. But man, there is more joy. There is more celebrations. There is more love. There is more milestones. And for those of us that are lucky enough, there are more relationships and connections. Um, my daughter's diagnosis has opened a door to a community of people that I never knew existed. Um, we are so fortunate to live in the world we live in and the connections that can be made, um, whether it be online, through social media, within our communities. Previously, I think for a lot of families, having a child with a disability was very isolating, and that is just not true. There are so many supports and resources, um, and I have met some really amazing people that we are very excited to kind of walk along this journey with as we continue not just to raise our youngest daughter, Josie, but all of our kids. I love the optimism, you know, that I've heard from you today on this topic. You know, it like like you said, it it doesn't need to be viewed as a negative thing. It doesn't need to be an apology or an I'm sorry. And and I just love that. I love hearing that perspective. And, you know, I thank you for taking the time um, to talk to us today about special needs parenting. Um, I know I learned a lot today and I think our listeners will feel the same. Um, is there anything else that you want to say before we conclude today? Yes. So over the last couple of weeks, I've done a lot of reflecting. My family and I took a vacation a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Josie, our two-year-old has Down syndrome. Josie is a very happy, very social little girl. She waves to everybody, says hi. She dances. She just, she just enjoys life. On our trip, we probably had a dozen people that walked up to us and were like, wow, she is so cute. She is a joy. She made our day. And it really got to me, got me reflecting on at what point will this change? Because unfortunately, as a society, as individuals that have disabilities or learning differences or physical differences age, at some point, individuals in our society have a lower tolerance for them. At some point, we have less compassion, we have less patience, we have less understanding. And I really want to challenge everybody to look inside yourself. And when you see an individual, think about how do I view them and how do I approach them? Because it should not be different whether Josie is 2 or 12 or 22 or 42. She is the same individual. And to somebody that is their daughter, their brother, their sister, that is their loved one. And so trying to become better within ourselves of continuing to exude um, that compassion despite where we are kind of in our different strengths or weaknesses. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more from Dr. Stuckin and Josie, just check out our episode on Down Syndrome, number 54. 
Send us your feedback by emailing podcast at mercyhealth.com or visit us online at mercyone.org slash podcast. To find this episode and others on your favorite podcast app, just search for Mercy One. Until next time, live your best life.